again, I'd like to welcome all y'all here today. If you would, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And as you're turning there, how many churches in society, the people in these churches, in today's society, believe that their church is alive when in reality the church is dead? Is it a few churches or is it many churches? I believe it to be many churches. On the outside, the church looks vibrant. They may be growing. But when you look at the doctrines that are preached in those churches, when you look closely at the church and you pretty much pull the veil back, you see that the doctrines that are preached are false doctrines. You also do not see the work of the Holy Spirit in those churches. Thus, the church is dead. And if you think about it, it does not matter the size of the church. It does not matter how big the church is. And it doesn't matter how much that church is growing. Because you could have the largest church in the world. You could have a church that has thousands upon thousands of people flocking to it every Sunday. But if the gospel of Jesus Christ is not preached in that church, that church is dead. Now why is that? It's because people will flock to a church that is preaching things they want to hear. They're not going to go to a church that they're going to be reminded that they're sinful. They're not going to go to a church where their toes are going to be stepped on. It doesn't matter if the church is large or if the church is small. If the gospel is not preached, that church is dead. And this is not a new occurrence. It was happening in the early church. And we see this with the church at Sardis. Because what we're going to see is Jesus tells this church, you know, you think you're alive, but you're dead. And we're going to look at that church today. Again, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 6. And I write unto the angel of the church, which is at Sardis, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works. For thou hast a name that thou livest, but thou art dead. Be awake and strengthen the things which remain 
that are ready to die, for I have not found thy work perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou wilt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Notwithstanding thou hast a few names yet in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh shall be clothed in white array, and I will not put out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Let him that hath an ear hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Just be with us today, Lord, as we worship. Just be with our service today. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to make any decision, I just pray that you would just speak to their hearts today. And Lord, again, we just lift up those that are sick, those that could not make it today, those that may have lost loved ones. We just lift each one of them up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon them. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with me today and give me the words to say. And hide me behind the cross and let the words that are spoken be your words. And Lord, just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, to give a little background into the church at Sardis. Sardis was the capital city of a place called Lydia. Now, Lydia was in Asia Minor. It was in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is generally in today's Turkey, the country of Turkey. Now, the city was known for its carpet industry. And because of the industrial strength of this city, this was a very wealthy city, which in turn made the church at Sardis Sardis, a wealthy church. But even though this was a wealthy church in a wealthy city in the Roman Empire, the church was dead. This church was dead. But before we look at how the church was dead, the first thing I want to point out is look at how Christ addresses himself in verse 1. When we look at verse 1, he says, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits of God refer to the Holy Spirit. So what Christ is telling them, if you think about what the Holy Spirit is called elsewhere in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is called what? The Spirit of Truth. So he's saying, I have the seven spirits of God. So what you're about to hear will be truth. It will be ultimate truth that you need to listen to. And then he says, I have the seven stars. The seven stars. And if you go back, into chapter 1, you'll see that the seven stars refer to the ministers of the churches to whom he is speaking. So what is he telling us here? He's saying that what you're about to hear is truth, 
And every minister of the churches that I'm speaking to, I'm holding in my hand. Basically, I'm holding your church in my hand. So you need to listen to what I'm about to say. Basically, he is telling them, I have all authority over you. And you have to listen. And then, what he says is not a good report for this church. But if you think about it, if you look back at the foundation of all the churches that were mentioned in the book of Revelation, if you look at the churches that are in society today, the majority of the churches in society today were founded within the last century. Now, some of them are older, but some of them were found, the majority of them were founded within the last century. Now, when you think about the foundings of these churches, as well as the founding of the church at Sardis, or any other church mentioned in Revelation, when they were founded, they were founded in truth. Many of the churches were founded by Paul, or they were started by churches that had been founded by Paul. And then some of them were founded by the other apostles, John for one. But when they were started, they were started in truth. But something happened to them. And what happened to them is they let false doctrine creep into the church. So all the churches that are facing condemnation in the book of Revelation, Sardis being one of them, they are facing condemnation because they were preaching false doctrine. And another reason they face condemnation is because they could not even see they were preaching false doctrine. What we see with Christ's condemnation of the church at Sardis is that the church thought it was alive. It thought it was doing well. Everything was going great. But Christ tells them that they are dead. They're dead. He says, I know your works. But then look what he says. You have a reputation of being alive. How many churches in today's society have a reputation of being alive? It's the church that everyone wants to flock to. Oh, they have all the youth programs. They have the praise bands. They have this and they have that. And they have that young preacher right out of the seminary or the cemetery is what they should be called. But they're dead. They had a reputation of being alive. But when you pulled back the veil, false doctrine was being preached in this church. And we see this 
with Christ's condemnation of the church. Now what could have killed this church? We're not told explicitly what was killing it, why it was dead. But we're told enough about what was happening in this church to get a general picture of what was going on. And what we see Christ say is that they needed to open their eyes to see the state they were in. They were blind. They couldn't even see it. Look at what he says in verse 2. Be awake. Open your eyes. And see your problem. Open your eyes and see what is affecting your church. And then he says, strengthen the things that are working, that are good. Strengthen those things before they too die. How many churches today are blind to their own problems? How many? This church was dying, or it was already dead. But look at what Christ says, and this is what alludes to the specific sin that is affecting this church. Look at verse 4. In verse 4, he says that the people had defiled themselves. Notwithstanding, thou hast a few names yet in Sardis which hath not defiled their garments. Now what is he talking about here? He's talking about Christians in this church. Those who are to be clothed in white because they have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has saying they have fallen so much they had defiled themselves and made themselves dirty. How had they done that? The only way a Christian can defile themselves is when that Christian becomes worldly. When that Christian starts to sin with the world. But what does the Bible tell us? When we've received Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're no longer of the world. We're to be dead to the world. Dead to those things that could lead us into sin. That's the entire, pretty much the entire thing that baptism represents. The death of the old nature and the coming alive or the resurrection or the new birth of the new nature in Christ. But the church at Sardis had defiled itself. And, if you look at what he says, notwithstanding thou hast a few names, the majority of the church was affected by the sin. The majority of the church, not just one or two, the majority was affected by it. 
but you had some in the church that had remained true. Now look back at verse 2. He says, Be awake and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy work perfect before God. And then in verse 3, he says, Remember. Remember where you were. So the first thing he tells them is to be awake, to open their eyes and see the problems affecting the church. And to strengthen the things that remain sound before they die. But then to be awake. Or to to remember what they had received and heard. To remember the teachings that had came before when the church was founded. Because the church had been founded in truth. Christ is telling them to remember what they had received and heard back in the past. Remember the true sound doctrine that started the church. And then he tells them what? To hold fast to that. To hold on to it. Hold on to that doctrine. And then he tells them to repent. Repent. Now in the Bible, you have two things in regards to repentance. In the Old Testament, the word repent means to turn from. To turn from and to turn to. So basically, you're turning from your sin and you're turning to something. You're turning from your sin and you're turning to Jesus Christ. But in the New Testament, a different word is used for repent. That doesn't really mean to turn from. It means basically to be to open your eyes, to be amazed by what you hear. And that should make a change, or a change should take place because of that. So what we see Christ saying here is when he says to repent, he is telling them to turn from your sin and turn back to me to open your eyes to be amazed by what I can do. Be changed by this turning. But why is he telling them this? Look at what he says. If therefore thou wilt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know when what hour I will come upon thee. Christ is saying that they're not going to be watchful for when he returns. But what do we see in the Bible? Specifically in the book of Mark. Watch thee therefore, for thou knowest not when the master of the house cometh. He tells us to watch. 
And he's telling this church to be watchful. They needed to repent. That way they could watch. Why? Because if not, when Christ returns, they would be caught unawares. They would not even be watching for it. Now, this brings up something. Who's Christ talking to? Is the city of Sardis still there? No. The city of Sardis was destroyed over 1,500 years ago by an earthquake. The Romans never rebuilt it. He's talking to today's church. Not only was he talking to the church at Sardis because of their sin, he's talking to today's church. Because today's church is the church that's going to be around when Christ returns. He's talking to every single church in our society. Every single church that thinks it's alive but is dead. Because we're going to be the churches that will be around when he returns. Because as you can see all around us, his, his coming is getting quite close. It could be any day. Churches are to be alive. The Christians within the churches are to be alive and they are to be watchful for the return of Christ. But that church can't be alive. That church can't be watchful for the return of Christ if that church is up to its eyeballs in sin and is dead. Which is what we're seeing going on in today's society. How many churches today have fallen to false doctrine? How many churches today have let sin come in their midst? How many churches today are not protecting their pulpits and letting people that are up to their eyeballs and sin preach. We see it all around us. Churches are to live and be ready and watchful for the return of Christ. But as we see at Sardis, the same thing happens today if you look at verse Verse 4, there are people within the church today, those churches today that are dead, there are people within those churches that are still alive. The same thing happened at Sardis. They were staying true to Christ. And what does he say? He promises those that stay true to him they will walk with him clothed in white. Why? Because they are worthy. But then look at verse 5. He that overcometh shall be clothed in white array, and I will not put out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, what does that mean? This is a challenge that Christ has given to the Christians in the church 
that are not living for him. Now I want you to look at this. He who overcomes is used elsewhere in the Bible to represent those who have been born again. They have overcome their old nature and are alive in Jesus Christ. They've overcome it. They've received Christ. They're born again. But he's also talking about overcoming the sin that is taking place in their life at that moment. Those who repent in these churches and return to sound doctrine, he is saying they will not be punished with death. So Christ is telling them, you need to turn from your sin, you need to repent, or I will remove you from the earth because you're damaging the church. And this is what he means when he references the book of life. There's two books mentioned in the Bible. The Lamb's book of life and the book of life. The Lamb's book of life holds the name of all the Christians. All those that will receive Christ and those were put in before the foundation of the world as we see in the Bible. But then you have the book of life. The book of life holds the names of all people that live. And when those people die, their name is blotted out because they've died. Christ is telling them, if you repent, if you overcome, if you turn back to me, I will not punish you with death. I will not blot your name out of the book, which means I'm just going to remove you from the earth. So Christ is telling them that he is going to punish them if they don't change. Now what does this tell us? The first thing is, it doesn't matter the size of the church. It doesn't matter if that church is growing and thriving or small and struggling. It could be dead because of the false teaching that is going on within it or because of sin that is going on within the church. Now, whereas you have some churches that are dead that might be growing and thriving or small and struggling, you still have churches that are alive. You have churches that are growing and thriving that are alive. And you have small, struggling churches that are alive. But what we need to look at is the fact that growth does not necessarily mean a church is alive. You have to look at what's being preached. You have to look at the doctrine, what's going on in the church. Is false doctrine being, being preached? Because every church should be alive and living for Christ. 
large or small, and life comes because the church is teaching correct doctrine. It's teaching the gospel. It's preaching the gospel. It's going out and working for Christ. It's mission-minded. It's doing what Christ has commanded it to do to go into the world and teach all nations. And if those people within the church are alive or if they struggle and fall into sin, they repent of that sin. They confess that sin. The Holy Spirit is working in that church. That's an alive church. The church is ready and watchful for the return of Christ. Sardis, when you look at the church at Sardis, Sardis looked good on the outside. But on the inside, they were dead. And as a result, Christ tells them to repent And if they don't repent, he is going to punish the church. And he will punish them with death. But the same is true for churches in today's society. They look good on the outside, but when you look inside, you will see that some of them are dead because they have become worldly. But it doesn't need to be that way in any church because in Christ we have overcome the world. In Christ we have truth. In Christ we have life. There's no need to return to our old nature because Christ has given us a new nature and that is a new nature that is created after him. Instead of returning to what we were, we are to look to Christ and be guided by Him and be filled with the Spirit, and we are to live for Christ. Because when you look at a dead church, yes, the church is dead because of doctrine, but who makes up the church? The Christian. A dead church is dead because the Christians within the church are dead. If we are alive in Christ, if true doctrine is being preached, if the Christians are doing the things Christ has commanded, that church will be alive and not dead. And churches are to be alive in Christ. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lords, we come before you. Just thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word and that we can learn from your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be with us as we go into this time of invitation. Just continue to be with us and overshadow us with your love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.